end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, oh look out! Brachowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, can you drink? A miracle! Hello, welcome to the Dolphin UK podcast. Got a really special guest for you uh, today, Ian Berger, Big E. How are you, mate? Thank you for joining us. Hey, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this, buddy. No, man. It's been uh, it's been a long time coming. We're really excited to have you. Um, obviously joined by Simon and Lee as always. Si, how are you doing, mate? You're right. Yeah, good. Thanks, Andy. Really, really looking forward to having a chat with Ian actually, and I'm also looking forward to finding out what type of potatoes he likes. <laughs> 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 any potato you can think of simon but i know what you i know where you're getting that from though that's funny <laughs> yeah. no lee how you doing you're right yeah excited for this hey a true dolphin celebrity on so this is awesome that's it that's it we are really excited to have you man and, and we'll, i think we'll kick off it mate with just a bit of discussion about you know it's been a bit of a whirlwind year i guess for you uh fan of the year stuff going to the super bowl um all that sort of stuff combined so Man, I mean, I don't obviously not not a lot's good has come out of the pandemic, but but Ian, what do you reckon? I mean, has it been such like a special year for yourself? I, I you know, it's interesting because my family and I are never going to forget this past year, right? Obviously, we we understand the impact that that COVID and pandemic has had on everybody, and there is that's the sad part of things, right? To see how that this has turned out, but from a Miami Dolphins perspective. I'll be old and gray. I'll be in my 90s, and I'm still going to be talking about this year as being the, the Miami Dolphins fan of the year because it really has been beyond what I could have imagined anything to be. Because as a fan, you you know we we love being fans of the Miami Dolphins, right? And this is like the next step that you can only dream of to be you know selected as the fan of the year for the team that you actually truly love and and being able to go to the super bowl you know that's part of it and then being able to go to the draft this week that's going to be part of it and it's just and who knows what happens after that you know because i'm i'm always going to be the 2020 dolphins fan of the year so i think that's yeah that's so exciting and i'm i I, i'm just truly humbled by the entire experience it really has been humbling to me that's it, and it's come at like such a kind of special time as well with the team on the up and that kind of thing. You know, it might have been a bit different for you if Adam Gaze was kind of a ruining your experience over there with the corner. But yeah, it's a, it's been really kind of, um, you know, really exciting. And talk to us a bit about the kind of um, your kind of experience, obviously being nominated for the fan of the year. How did you find out? And, and like, talk to us about that a bit. Yeah, so June of last year, I want to say it was, they announced this program a fan of the year and a bunch of bunch of twitter family members started you know started nominating me and uh and then come i want to say it was august i got on a podcast with travis wingfield who does all the official miami dolphins podcasts and he put me on and and he was actually following up on a piece that we had done back in april that's what i was told and he asked me one quick question. He asked me, how was, you know, what do you think of the draft? What do you think of the upcoming season? Then he said, that's not why I have you on here. I want to let you know that you have actually been selected as a Dolphins fan of the year. And I would just, you know, I was extremely emotional for all those reasons I just shared with you a moment ago. And, uh, and he told me, he said, you are now one of 32 individuals that can be selected to go to the Super Bowl because there will be three finalists that will go to the Super Bowl and then one final winner. And, a couple months later, they asked me to put together a two-minute video about myself and about why I think I should be the fan of the year. 
through something together. And I, you know, talked a little bit about what I do personally and what I've done also for the dolphins community. And sure enough, they invited me to, so, so they invited me to hard rock stadium and they said they were running a marketing piece. This was after the season was over. And they said, you know, we hadn't gotten a chance to really do anything about you because of the season. It was so busy. So we want to put this marketing piece together about you. And I showed up at the stadium. I met my, my season ticket rep and they brought me into this room and this woman was there with two, two gentlemen were there also with huge industrial cameras. And there was another young lady that was uh, guarding the door. So I thought all of this was a little strange, but I'm like, all right, Miami Dolphins marketing. This is how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they, they sat me down and she asked me a generic question. And then she asked me a second question as well. And then her, her, her laptop started ringing like a phone call and she turned it around. It was Solomon Kinley. And he said, he said, Ian, just want, want to let you know, you're going to the Super Bowl, man. You, you made it to the final three. And again, I just it like all hit me so much because I said, I didn't think I was as deserving as some of these other fans of the year. Cause you know, the, the group that they selected were just truly incredible individuals, what they do for the, for their teams, what they do for their communities. Um, it was just, it was just truly insane. So so fast forward, uh, I was able to get to the Super Bowl in February. I brought my 13-year-old daughter. And again, these are experiences that we will never forget for the rest of our lives. And, uh, and then I got told about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, that, I was, that they're also sending all 32 fans of the year to Cleveland to go to the draft and to announce one of the picks for our team on the third day of the draft. So this is just like... That's like a year in a nutshell as this amazing experience has unfolded. And I am so happy to be part of this, man. It's just been incredible. You know, amazing story. And um, I just want to step back to the two minute video that you were asked to produce um, for the team. And and you're one of the most humble guys that I've seen on Twitter. And But I just wanted to expand a bit more, with, if, if you don't mind, no, around what, what was the content around the two minute video? What, what uh, sort of thing did you articulate that made you worthy of being fan of the year, do you think? You know, what's interesting is that as a Dolphins fan, as I am on on Twitter and social media, I really spend the majority of my time talking about dolphins and what I do for the dolphins community. You know, my family and I, we have volunteered for, for many different events. A couple of them over the last couple of years as being um, food preparation events where the team actually brought together a bunch of people. We were packing a million meals for seniors in, in the tri-county area in South Florida. And originally I just started it with my youngest daughter and then the next year that came along, I got my, my entire family involved. The next year that came along, not only did I get my family involved, but I also got about 30 of my team members at work involved. So that was important that I don't think I really articulated that through the process. The other part was my, uh, my, the personal side. And again, I don't talk about it too much, but I do. I'm a senior community development manager for my bank. What that means is that I'm making sure that the bank is meeting all of the needs of the community. So we're working with nonprofits. We're lending to, you know, small and, or, or low to moderate income families to make sure that we're being fair in the communities and doing the right things in the communities. And a third part to that too, is making sure that we are spending our time sharing our knowledge with community members. So I spend on average about 20 hours a month providing financial education to individuals that really need it. You know, some, some of your lower to moderate income families, 
they they don't have that type of education not to say they don't have an education but they don't have the financial education which is what i'm able to provide um and i do it from kids like next week i'll be working with some pre-kindergartners and kindergartners uh and then the next day i'll be working with some high schoolers and then two weeks from now i'll be working with some families you know that that range in age from the 30s to the 60s so it's that's important to me and that's actually it's just something that i've done most of my career as far as the volunteering is concerned. But I think I think that was important that I articulated that. And I did, I did all that pretty much everything to say, here's why I'm a fan. Here's what we've done as a family. Here's what I do in my personal life and my personal career to help people. Um, and that's kind of how I, how I put that two minute video together. Yeah. I won't touch too much on this, but before all of your fan of the year experiences kicked off, you were actually featured on British TV on UK Channel 5, weren't you, I believe? Um, I and, uh, and so you you were well known to all, mo- a lot of the UK fans even before all of this kicked off, weren't you? Yeah, and, and that was that was a few fluke, actually. It was just that they were looking for folks in South Florida that were going to be attending the first Miami Dolphins game. And they found me on Twitter and they said, hey, can you do this on like a Wednesday afternoon? Uh, and I said, all right, sure. If I'll be on TV, it's cool to be on TV, right? Why not? Yeah. So again, I got my daughter involved and, uh, and they came to my house and I didn't let them in, right? Because of everything that's going on with the pandemic, but we stayed outside. The interview went tremendously. I still have a copy of the video because I was just like, this was awesome. And, and yeah, it showed up on, on the TV. I understand in the UK, I did see it. I actually saw what was run and I, I was very impressed with what they were able to do. And I was, again, I was, uh, I was honored to, to be part of that. You know, that's a big deal. So I was, I was happy. The big question is if the dolphins come to the UK this year, will you be coming with them for, to, to join us at the game? <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be this year. Right. Cause one of the things that I always have to look at is my bank account and I have to, you know, a trip, a trip overseas is, is not, is not very, uh, is not cheap. Right. But I do know that there are a lot of people that, that I know through Twitter and through the dolphins that are in the UK that are like, I've got a place for you to stay already. You know, we, we got you here. We'll take you to the right places. So you don't end up spending too much money, you know? So, uh, so I have, uh, I've already gotten that and I've gotten that some from folks that have said also, if we end up in Mexico and you know, there's a game in Mexico, they're like, yeah, you got free room and board over there. So uh, it's just, it's still the, the air tickets and, and doing all that stuff. It's, it's, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard thing to, to look at from a financial standpoint, but, but that is on my bucket list. I have not, I have actually never been to the UK in my life. So that is definitely something on my bucket list to be able to go to the UK and, uh, and kind of visit there and, and see everything and, and meet some people over there. So. Sounds good. Hopefully it's, uh, hopefully it's soon. Yeah. We're hopefully, hoping to get the dolphins back this year, aren't we, Si? And just um, fingers crossed it does happen. But uh, yeah, yeah, we obviously had the dolphins penciled in for a uh, London trip last year, didn't we? Unfortunately, yeah. but it didn't materialize. So we're, we're hoping fingers crossed we'll find out on or around may the 13th when the schedule's released that they're they're coming again but of course the falcons have announced um a trip and they were also on the schedule last year so you never know um, what might happen yeah and and you know i think i think some of the dolphins home fans would be wouldn't say that they'd be upset but obviously they lose a home game if it is considered a dolphins home game but to that i say we're picking up an additional home game this year too because of the giants that we're going to be playing at home so instead of your normal eight home games, we're going to have nine, nine home regular season games. And then if they do move one internationally, then we're back to eight again. So it's not a big deal. And yeah. I, and I like, I like seeing the dolphins actually in, in an international game because 
it's prime time. Everybody gets a chance to watch it, right? Because it's the only game on usually around that time. And it gives our fans all over the world an opportunity to actually be at the game without having to make that flight, you know, to the state. So I, I, I'm good with that. I got to be honest. I, I love the cool. fact that, that the Dolphins are willing to do it. Some some of the teams get forced to come over here, and it's I, I don't know. Something just doesn't feel just genuine about those teams being here. But sure. the Dolphins were, you know, were obviously the first first team to come over here when they started playing regular season games, and they've been they, they've offered to come multiple occasions. I, I think that's just a great situation to be in. It shows I think it shows a forward thinking organization because there's there's a lot of fans who will now travel to the States to see the Dolphins play. There's a big fan base here. You know, it's not, sure. you know, and I don't think it's the same for, for all the teams in the league. I think one of the reasons for that, Lee, I believe, is that the Dolphins are normally a pleasure to deal with, Ian. We had Alistair Kirkwood on the podcast a few months back, and he was, until recently, the managing director of the NFL in the UK. And he said, on all the visits the Dolphins have had to London, they've always been a pleasure to deal with. And I guess you can testify to a certain extent, can't you, having worked with them on your fan of the year experience? Yeah, no, and, and they've been, they really have been tremendous. And you know, you just look at everything that has been done, especially under Tom Garfinkel's leadership, as far as what they've done with the stadium, as far as what they've done to try and help with, you know, some of the things that are going on, like the Dolphins Cancer Challenge that just happened a couple weekends ago, the, the, the feeding individuals over the last year through this pandemic. They're, they're, they are truly a top class organization. So I'm glad to hear that it, that it flows uh, overseas as well, because I, I believe it. I think it's true. I gotta be honest. This is going to sound kind of a, a little bit silly, but there was something about when watching the Grand Prix the other day and seeing Tom Garfinkel at the Grand Prix after organizing the stuff behind the Miami Grand Prix and thinking, and, and kind of in a way being proud that that's a person associated with the organization you follow. Do you know what I mean? Because everything is yeah. done the right way. And I say, I know, I know that, that there's going to be some people listening there saying, "What is he talking about?" But. <laughs> it, but it's true. You know, sometimes when you see people come up on screen, the, the guys over here will, will know this this week with what happened with the Super League. You, you see a, patch, a picture of Daniel Levy on TV today. People are not necessarily over the moon about it. But seeing Tom Garfinkel in the F1 paddock the other day, you know, you're like, yeah, that guy's associated with the Dolphins. That's, that's awesome. And, you know, little things like he, he interacts with fans. They, they, they get stuff done that, that fans want. I mean, you can't ask anything more than that. No, and, and they've they've done a tremendous job as an organization to really reach out to fans. And I've seen, and you guys have probably seen it on social media too, where, you know, like someone will have a birthday and then all of a sudden the Dolphins will send them like a care package to wish them a happy birthday and they weren't, they weren't expecting it, right? Or, you know, somebody's had a hard time finding something and then all of a sudden the Dolphins send it to them at no cost, right? And I'm sure they don't do that 100% of the time because they probably would be broke as an organization if they did that a lot. But some of the stuff that they do is just, I, I look at it and I say, this is why I like this team so much, right? It's not just, because if you think about it, we are, we are fans of the logo. The players are going to change every couple of years, every five years, every 10 years. But at the end of the day, we are fans of the Miami Dolphins. And they, as an organization, seem to have the right recipe to make things work right and continue to get better. So, um, so again, I give, I give all the leaders of the team a, a, a significant thumbs up. And I have to say also Stephen Ross. People give Mr. Ross a hard time often, right? 
but all he does is try and make things better. And all, you know, he knows he's not a football guy. He's not going to be the general manager like you've got in Dallas, but he is going to, to pay the money to make our stadium look right, to, to try and get the right coaches, coaches in place and the right general managers in place. Yeah. It hasn't worked, you know, for the last 15 or 20 years, but it's not because he hasn't been trying. So, you know, that's, that's an important thing to, to remember. Especially if anyone's ever watched the Cincinnati Bengals hard knocks and stuff like that, you see the team facilities and stuff. And you think like these owners, not all the owners are willing to put their money where their mouth is. And yeah. Steve Ross has done that all the way through. Like you say, it doesn't always work out, but it's certainly not through his intentions being in the wrong place. You know, it's always in the right. He's always willing to spend like, even when even when the team cut players, you know, you think, there must be times where he's thinking, wow, I'm still paying these guys and they're not even on my team anymore. But, yeah, but they're yeah. willing to do that because it's it's getting towards a winning team. And that's, you know, the, the overall goal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, the goal is, is of Stephen Ross and the Dolphins organisation is to actually get to the Super Bowl. But you've actually been to the Super Bowl, haven't you, Ian? And I want to, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about your experiences on on game day and what you were up to, how you got involved in terms of what the lead up to the announcement was like um, and all that sort of thing? Yeah, they, the, when I say the NFL is top notch and they took, they take great care of us. I, uh, that's an understatement. And they had us, they had us in a hotel in Tampa and they did offer to fly my daughter and I out from Fort Lauderdale to Tampa, but that's probably about an hour and a half flight, maybe an hour flight. And it would, it would have taken more time sitting at the airport, checking in and then checking out and doing all that stuff. So it's only about a three hour drive from our house. So we ended up driving up there the hotel that they put us at was right off of the water off of Tampa Bay and it was gorgeous. And it was one of those places where they had like 10 bikes just sitting there, letting the, the, the individuals that are staying at the hotel jump on a bicycle and ride around the neighborhood. Uh, and it was just, it was amazing. And the on prior to the Super Bowl, So I have to say this because Tampa did a tremendous job also, especially with what's going on in the, in the community, they do a kind of a pre-game festivities where you can go and you can throw a football into a net. You can get pictures with the Lombardi trophy. You know, you can do all these different activities and it's spread up, spread out throughout all of downtown Tampa. And they did a tremendous job with that. And as a, as the fans of the year as well, we got these little bracelets that got us to the front of the line. So that definitely helped us. Um, but we got a chance also to see all of the Super Bowl rings that have been provided throughout the years, including the Miami Dolphins Super Bowl rings, which was definitely one of the highlights of that experience. Uh, and also we got a chance to see like locker rooms, what they look like. And we got a chance to see Tua's locker, you know, it, it all set up. And then heading to the game on Super Bowl Sunday, we had to get there really, really early because I think the uh, the folks that were in charge of this were afraid that we were going to be late. So we got there. <laughs> I think we got there. The game didn't start till 630 and I want to say we got there at like 10 or 11. It was really, really, really early. So really, all I did when I got there, I sat in my seats and I, and I was sitting there with my daughter. There was really no one else in the stadium at the time. And we were just soaking it all in. You know, when you look at the stadium and of course, we had all the, car, the cardboard cutouts all, you know, all in different places. But just understanding that I'm at the Super Bowl at a year when not a lot of people can really go to the Super Bowl. And I'm going to see Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes in the biggest game of the year. That all kind of hit me all at once. And I just said, I couldn't believe it that I was there. 
And right before the game started, and, and not a lot of people know this, but right before the game started, myself and the two other finalists uh, for the fan of the year were actually brought down to the entertainment stage. Usually they have, they have you on the field, but this year it was a little different. They had you on an entertainment stage on the first level. And they announced us. We were actually all on the Jumbotron right before the game started. So not only were we at the Super Bowl, but I was on the Jumbotron <laughs> live being announced before this game started. Um, so it was, again, it was a tremendous opportunity, tremendous experience. And then the game happened. And I keep telling everybody that we were so looking forward to the Super Bowl and the event and we were rushing time. We were rushing. We were hoping that it would get there, right? We were like looking at our watches every day, looking at the calendar. And then when it happened, it happened so fast. And I kind of wish that I was still sitting in the stadium experiencing the Super Bowl <laughs> because it was su- it had such a great impact. And it was so important to us and so much fun. Um, and then, of course, the halftime show was great, too. To see the weekend, you know, they were he was performing right down below. And to be part of that was uh was just spectacular it really was it was a fun event and we didn't get back to the hotel i want to say till midnight or a little after midnight but we just had such a great time it really didn't matter it was amazing nice man yeah sounds great and uh, hopefully it'll be a dolphin super bowl to uh, to do a similar thing with soon um yes. uh, we better get on to onto the draft stuff obviously there's something happening on thursday which everyone's uh, been banging on about for about three or four months now haven't they so um uh, I- i'm sure the listeners have kind of tired of hearing lee tell us all why Najee harris should be selected at 18 <laughs> <laughs> so uh Ian, i just wanted to flip it to you man i mean what what are you kind of looking for i mean um i don't know i don't want to put you on the spot and say who, who do you want to each kind of pick or anything like that but is there any kind of you know you're looking for us to address a certain area any guys jump off the off the table for you well i will tell you first and foremost with the with the sixth pick i do anticipate a pass catcher i do not think we're going to go offensive lineman some people are like, well, if, if Sewell's still there, maybe we consider Sewell. But then I remind them and I say, wait a second, we spent four draft picks last year on offensive linemen. You have to expect that those guys are going to take a leap and improve year over year. So I don't think we, we would spend an early pick on another offensive lineman, maybe a later pick, but I don't think with a number six. So I do think a pass catcher is going to be uh, is going to be one. Of, and to be honest with you, some people love pits. I love pits, too. Right. I think if he's available, he would probably be my first choice. But I also love Chase. And Smith was the Heisman Trophy winner last year. You are not going to be a Heisman Trophy winner if you are a subpar wide receiver, regardless of what your size is. And I think that's the big question right now. Oh, he's only 160 some odd pounds. He won the Heisman Trophy at 160 pounds. So obviously he has a skill. And Jalen Waddell as well. You know, the thing, the only question mark with Waddell, I think a lot of people have is how is he going to come back from his ankle injury? You know, is he going to be as fast? Because the man is like Superman when he's running. Will he retain that speed once his ankle heals? So I think any four of those pass catchers would be good for us. So any any one of them that you're particularly excited about that, you know, like when you're sat in the stadium next year, you can't wait for them to kind of read that name out on the first weekend. I, I don't really have one particular, if, if, if I were leaning towards anyone that I'd be excited about, it would probably be Pitts. And the only reason why I say that is that when you look at his size, he is the size of Calvin Johnson from a length perspective, from an arm side to side perspective. And you remember Calvin Johnson with the Lions, the man was a monster. And if you think about 
who will need to cover the tight end. You've got Gusecki on one side. If you have Pitts on the other side, you're going to have a linebacker or you're going to have a safety that has to come up to, to pick him up in coverage. And that is not going to be an easy task for anybody. So that's, that's why I probably lean to that again, too. There's less tight ends on a team than there are wide receivers. So if you have the opportunity to pick up an elite one, why not? Go ahead, Simon. I think something's come up over the last few days. Um, Joe Shad wrote a piece for the Palm Beach Post and queried whether the Dolphins not everyone's talked about the Dolphins trading down from six, but only recently has Joe Shad written a report indicating that Dolphins might even want to trade up into the top 10 in addition to six. So do you feel as though that's a likely scenario? And if so, who are the players that you would target if they had two picks in the top 10? Here's a, here's the fun thing. The fun thing is we have no clue what's going to end up happening. Right. And, and I know the news folks, they, they try and say, well, here's what they're going to tend to do. Here's the, here's what we have seen with Greer and with Flores in two years that they've been together. We have seen that they have traded assets to accumulate more picks. We haven't seen them give up picks to try and move up. So I think just historically speaking, I don't see them moving up anymore into the top 10. Now, from the 18 spot, actually, I think they may end up moving down a couple picks because if you can pick up another second round pick, if you could pick up another third round pick, why not? And all you do is maybe move two to four slots. It's an op- it's a possibility. And again, this is based on what I'm se- what I've seen with them in the in historically. They want to accumulate more picks. So I th- I think that could be a possibility. I don't see them moving up from the sixth spot. I really don't because then you say, why did you move down from the three? You know, if, if all you're doing is going to end up back up there again, you know, and then with the 18 or lower pick, I don't see them taking a running back at number 18. And, and here's the reasoning why, when you look at where coach Flores came from the new England Patriots. And when you think of the running backs for the new England Patriots, the Patriots never picked up a number one or a first round running back. If you think about it, they were always, we're going to get two or three guys. They're going to be very specific with what their role is on offense. And then we're going to roll with it. And they had success, but you never saw one of their running backs running for 1500 yards. Sony Michelle was the only running back that I can remember over the last 10 years or so where he was picked up. I want to say 31st or 32nd in the first round. And I just, I don't see that from them. If anything, I'm probably going to see an edge rusher or a linebacker. It's all going to depend on how, you know, how the draft ends up. Um, but I see us getting that running back in the second round. I, and, I, and it's going to disappoint some people, especially imagine, imagine Thursday night, eight, number 18 pick is up, right? And Najee Harris is still on the board and the Dolphins choose not to get him. I think you're going to see... I'm going to stay off Twitter for probably 20 minutes and let, let things kind of calm down. But I think people are going to be a little bit upset about that. And, you know, again, he might be, I, I think he's going to be a very good running back, but so is Javante Williams. So is Travis Etienne. So is some of these, some so are some of these other guys, you know, let's not forget about our existing running backs that had some pretty nice, you know, a pretty nice season last year. And, you know, we just couldn't put it all together. So, Running backs, you can find one like they did in Jacksonville that was an undrafted free agent, 
he ends up being a, I think he was a pro bowler. If I remember correctly, I could be mm-hmm. totally wrong, but I know he was a producer. Um, is it James, James, something or other. James, James Robertson. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So there, there's your, there's your proof to say, you don't always have to take a running back in the first round to, to find a, a good potential running back. I think Lee's going to be one of those upset, <laughs> um, unhappy fans, um, Ian. If uh, if Harris is there at eighteen and he doesn't get chosen, For sure. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Harris. That's not that's not a secret on here. But at the same time, I you know when I said that a few weeks ago and, and professed my love for Nigel Harris, it was I also said you know get the guy you want. If there's a linebacker you want there, I valued. I don't buy into this whole you can't take a player there because of reason x if that's the guy brian flores wants i'm all for it this coaching staff has done enough with enough players to to have my trust do you know what i mean like, like, would i like Nigel harris absolutely as long I, as you don't take a cornerback I, I don't think we need a cornerback at number 18 again we've taken i know they love cornerbacks but you know we've we still still got um ignobogany yep out there that it really hasn't had a lot of time on the field. So I want to see him before we pick up another first round. Yeah, there's actually a case, would you believe, for the Dolphins to pick another player for that secondary, I think, given the amount of yards and um, they gave up last season. If you look at the stats, and especially in that Bills game at the end, um, their secondary got torn to shreds. There is a potential argument for them to pick up another player for the secondary, but we'll see how it goes. Give it a while till we do that, though, I think. um, Safety, uh, I... Yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah, no, give me a while, man, then take a safety. Safety yeah. would be okay. <laughs> We're on the same page, Andy, <laughs> so you're it, right. Exactly. It. You said exactly what I was going to say. Perfect. Wait, um, and then yeah. I think the second round, as, as, I think about, as, as I think about what, we're, what we'd be looking to do in the second round, I look at the, here's, here's the main positions that I'm looking at, and there's four main positions that I'd like to see us fill in the first two rounds. A pass catcher, wide receiver, tight end, one of those. Uh, a, an edge rusher, right? a running back, and then also a center. I think those are the four ones that I would love to see within the first two rounds. Now, if things don't work out and you have to take other positions or maybe that center that you were looking at, Creed Humphreys is gone early, right? And maybe uh, some of the other ones are gone early. Well, then look at linebacker and look at safety. Those are the six main positions that I want to see us fill within the first couple of rounds. And, And there's a lot of quality players in each one of those positions that the Dolphins can end up picking up. And that's why, too, again, I said six positions. If we trade down from the 18 spot, well, now you may have an additional second-round pick that you could pick up one of those top linebackers. You could pick up one of those top centers, and you can accumulate these additional players. Lee, are you going to come in there? No, I, I was just going to say, I, I'm actually moving. The, the, the longer I've thought about it, the more I'm moving center as a, as a position of need up my, my list of like, don't wait. There's, there's only a few that you really consider to be at the top end of this draft. Get your, get your guy, even if it's considered high by other people, don't, don't care. Get get the guy you want and, you know, don't risk it. We saw it last year with the running backs, you know, when they're like, oh, we can wait a couple of spots. You get sniped each time and all of a sudden you're kind of left scrambling a little bit to to fill a position of need. So, yeah, I mean, the, so just the, the more I've thought about it, the more I think center is rising up my, my list of kind of priority needs. 
Yeah, every time I, I do a mock draft lately, I actually take a Drew Dalman, the, the centre out of Stanford in the third round. I think he's like most underrated guy in the draft and that would free up a bit more um kind of capital to go and get another like playmaker in the in the second round. And I'll keep banging the table for Amon Ross and Brown if we don't take a wide receiver in the first round. That's my guy. I um I really like him. I think Jarvis Landry all over him. And uh, and that sounds like something that we'd we definitely like back on offense, I think there. Um you know, a couple more questions then. I mean, um, I think obviously you're going out to Cleveland to um, to, to make one of the picks, aren't you? So, uh, Sai, I think you've got some some post-it notes there. We, 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 we had a quick look before we came on of, of some of the more difficult names to say that might come up in the on day three. So we just wanted to... Just I wanted have to practiced you... some of these, so I may be good, but it's always worth the yeah. practice. It's always worth practice. Practice makes perfect, Ian. So some of the potential yes. areas that Dolphins might look to draft in the later rounds for some depth... Um, we're going to see if you can uh, practice now and get get your names right. And so I'm just going to see if this works. Can you say him, please, Ian, quarterback from SMU? Shane Bouchel. Good start. Good start. It's going to get a little bit more tricky. Right. So wide receiver is a is a um, position that the Dolphins need, of course. So they, hopefully they'll select one early. But if they decide to add a bit more depth, this guy, do you think the Dolphins are going to draft him in the later rounds? Simi Fajeko. Or for help, oh, well pronounced, well pronounced wide receiver Perfect. from Stanford. So. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Another wide receiver, slightly more tricky. This guy, wide receiver from Illinois. This one gets me. This is Amotar. Wait, Amotor Hebi. Is that, is that it, one yeah. name or two? No. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. I know this one. So it's Josh Amotor Bebe. Good. Nice. Yeah. I had to put in a high practice that one. Yeah. I practiced that one like three or four times. That's I, why I couldn't fit him all on the post-it. Ian. So. <laughs> right. Just, just two more. There's a running back. The dolphins might look to, to support um, if they don't draft Harris or Williams. Um, this guy running back from Iowa state. Uh, no Nuangu. Yeah. We'll let you have that one. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know where that one is. Nwangu. <laughs> Right, and then the last one, Ian, this is probably the most difficult one of the last. It's another wide receiver from Northwestern. Um, this guy, do you think the Dolphins will draft him? How do you spell that first name, though? I'm trying to figure out what the last letter is. R-A-M-A-K-D? Uh, Ram Ramoud, I think. R-M-A-A-U-D. A-U-D. All first right. Name. Ramoud Chiokoloa. Yeah, we'll give you that one. I haven't got a clue whether you're right, Ian. No. That sounds <laughs> okay. really good. So yeah, yeah. Just want to wish you all the best for that experience. Thank Ian. You. It's another yeah. another thing that um, fans can only dream of doing, and and you've certainly earned your right to be there for this year. I, I'll tell you one thing that I'm going to do too, and um, I've got to figure out what I'm going to say. But you know, I'm going to take the card that I'm going to be reading. And I'm going to write like some sort of some sort of encouraging message and I'm going to send it to the player because for me, this is an experience as a fan, right? But for them, that card represents their life being changed and their life is being changed as being part of our favorite team, the Miami Dolphins, right? So I figured I'll give it to, to him and he can look at that and use it as motivation i'll figure something out really nice to say but i i i, I like the that i thought about doing something like that nice nice i'm sure it will be well appreciated throughout the dolphins community as well ian for sure uh, but it's a challenge for you as well um dare you to give roger a chest bump on uh, christian wilkins <laughs> when you walk on stage oh, christian wilkins <laughs> i hope he'll be there i hope he will be there because uh, because i'm only going to be announcing on the third day so I don't know if uh, Mr. Goodell will be there on the 30. I know obviously he announces all of them on the first day. 
Um, but whatever's going to happen, I am, uh, I'm super excited. I understand Byron Jones is going to be there on the second day on Friday, announcing our second and third round picks. So I will be there Friday because we fly in Friday. So hopefully I'll have an opportunity to see what the picks are. And then also to say hello to Byron, because I think that would be really special. Awesome. And it's, it's kind of a, a thing which I guess, like, if you're kind of like into UK football or soccer or whatever, it's it's a bit of an alien concept, isn't it, to be drafted? And that's why I always kind of, obviously, we all have the, the talk on Twitter, it's nonstop, but it must be such a nervous time for those guys that kind of, you know, that not the ones that go in the first couple of rounds because they know they're going to, you know, make bank and stuff like that. But uh, the, the, those guys are on the back end of the third round, are they going to get drafted or they're not? It must be such a nervous time. And, um, and yeah, be, be like, really cool, like you say, to write that note. And hopefully that guy um, comes through and, you know, does big things for the Dolphins off the back of that. So, you know, one of our best fifth round picks, draft picks ever, was uh, was Zach Thomas, and uh, and he he should be in the Pro or in the Hall of Fame at this you know at this time. Unfortunately, it keeps getting dragged out for him for one reason or another. But you know, any anyone who has the desire, who has the skill set, who happens to play for the right team and the right coaches, can really be successful. And I think what coach Flores likes to do is, and and this is something that we've seen change with coach Flores over the prior regimes is he really tries to coach up the players that he has versus trying to bring in players that were coached up somewhere else. And then they try and fit them here with the dolphins and it doesn't always work. So I think you're going to see for him, coach Flores, he loves to work with those five, fifth, sixth, and seventh round players to make them successful. So hopefully that will continue. That's I, I, I would see, I would love nothing more than for the player that I announced to become a pro bowl player. And then, and then beyond that, that would be so, so special for all of us. I think. Incredible stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, I reckon we'll finish off then with, um, um, I'll go, go on side before we finish off. Go on. I know quite happy to wait, Andy, go ahead. I know. Cool. All right. I was going to say, we'll go around. Obviously you're not flying out until Friday. And so I was wanting to hear what everyone's plan is for, for the first round. Um, obviously we're going to be um, kind of red eyed, like <laughs> propping our eyelids uh, open all night, but uh, yeah. Ian, what's your plan for, for, for Thursday? So the Miami Dolphins are hosting a draft party, which will be the first time in two years that they have had a draft party at Hard Rock Stadium and it's on the, the field. And I am looking forward to being there and I'm going with my buddy, uh, Matt, uh, Lou Crizzle, as he calls himself on Twitter. And there's a bunch of people who are going to be there that, that, have, that I know on Twitter. And they said, we got to come meet you. You know, it's the first time that we're actually able to be in the same place together for a while. So it's going to be, it's going to be really special. It's going to be really nice to see everybody. And then our friend, uh, I believe it, uh, he actually mentioned it. Travis Wingfield is going to be hosting the on stage event so that is going to be really something neat to watch. Also, just being there, we're going to be we're going to be yelling and screaming and having a good time. That's that's what we do, right? At uh, at Hard Rock Stadium, and, and that's what we do as Dolphins fans. So that's going to be a fun night. Awesome. And uh, Lee, what's your plan? Oh man, we always do the same. We we always watch draft day in the few hours leading up to the draft <laughs> because we we're trying to stay up. So we've got to do something football related. And by that point, I can't I can't look at Twitter rumors any longer. I I can't like you seen so much nonsense over the last few weeks, and then you just get to the the absolute insane levels on on draft day. I'm just like nope, can't watch it anymore. Um, <laughs> There's only so much of like the pre-draft coverage I can watch because so much of it's repeated. So we tend to get in a takeout pizza, Smart. stick on draft day, 
to just wait for the first round to roll around. Get get super excited. And Sai, what about you, mate? First problem I've got to solve actually is to work out which room I'm going to watch the draft in because <laughs> I've got to uh, I'll somehow find a way not to wake the wife, not to wake <laughs> the kids, and not to wake the the young puppy we've got. Um, so once <laughs> once I decide which room I'm going to be in, I'll be there for the duration, and I'm actually not taking a day off work as it stands right now on the Friday. So I'm going to be um, Ooh, sticks, I think. Yeah, <laughs> good for you, man. That's going trying great. to. Trying to get through a working day on a on little sleep, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, brave man. I, I did that last year, but then I got like an emergency call in rather than working from home, and it was like the worst day ever. So <laughs> I've uh, I've gone for the leave this year, and uh, what I do is I always watch the what I consider like the, the Dolphins' best game the season before. I just let it run the whole sort of three hour all the way through. So I think I'm going to watch the Cardinals game. Um, nice. Uh, Two at his best. Yeah. That was the best game that he had, I think, as a as yeah. as a quarterback last sure. year. That's it. Get hope for, for some more of that next season for sure. And uh, yeah, I think that's kind of drawn it to a close side. Do you want to uh, pop in there? Yeah, last thing I want to say. Um, so personally, Ian, I hate mash and I like roast, <laughs> but what's, what's your favourite potato? I'm dying to know, Ian. And my favourite potato that- is French fries, Simon. It's uh, And that's one of my weaknesses. And, and I have not eaten French fries in the last six weeks because I'm really on its, this strict, like losing my... Uh, COVID, you know, losing the pandemic weight that I put on over the last year. So French fries is number one, mashed potatoes is number two, then I can do baked potatoes, number three. So, and which of course, baked potato is the healthiest out of all of them. But, um, but that's it. but as you know, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, I am no longer a mashed pota- or a potato cleaner. I am a potato peeler. Uh, and my, my newest girlfriend did not, she, she only liked, baked potato and I, I we just couldn't go any further than that yeah. <laughs> deal breaker that was a deal breaker <laughs> yeah for those that um don't know what we're talking about check out ian's twitter feed and they can see for themselves which reminds you where can we find you on socially and if if folks don't already know already yeah so i am ian693 at twitter right now and then also you can find my writings and podcasts through the dolphins dot dolphins talk dot com uh, network and then also i have my own youtube page you have to search big e miami dolphins if you search just big e you're going to find a really popular wrestler who is not me <laughs> and so so that is uh that's where you'll find me and and as the season gets closer there will be putting a lot more content uh i'll be doing a lot more i do the weekly two minute drill every wednesday evening i'll be going back to that i haven't done it since the end of the season so but this week is going to be insane obviously with uh with draft coverage and everything else and i'm going to try while I'm in Cleveland, we're going to try and, and put out as many pictures and videos of the experience so everybody can see what it looks like actually on the ground floor. And uh, we'll see how many Dolphins fans are going to be up in Cleveland. I understand there's going to be a lot of them. So I'm happy about that. Awesome. All right. We'll leave it there. Thanks a lot for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have you back on sometime soon. Fins up, everybody. Hi, this is Andy Turner. MD of Silver FX Sports, proud suppliers of all the merchandise of the UK Dolphins Fan Club. Please check out their great looking online shop and membership area at silverfx.co.uk. Click on the NFL link and then click down to the Dolphins. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.